stay standing and Elena Allen's going to come uh, with our scripture reading today. We're in Acts chapter 1. We'll be in Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3, but the scripture is in Acts chapter 1. And um, be ready for some action. She has some good things planned for you, okay? Ready, Elena? Thank you. Okay, bear with me. All right, so I'm going to teach you guys some action. So the first part goes, for you will receive power. So just act like you're doing a fist pump or something. So can you guys do that? Power. 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 Okay, and then the next part. So for you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you're just going to do like a dove type thing. So Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay, so you get you get that. So for you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness, so witness, in Jerusalem. So just point, because that's where they're at, so. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. So, for you to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, in Samaria, So, Judea, Samaria, and then the last part goes into the ends of the earth. Feel free to lightly slap the person next to you. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to put it all together. For you to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Well done, Elena. Thank you very much. You guys may be seated. The word of God for the people of God. All of life's biggest moments have an end then. And the end then is just the beginning. And so I'm in second or third grade and I'm in Mr. Swain's music class. How many of you remember Mr. Swain's music class? And he did that thing that I think he does, he did from time to time, at least back then. He, he divided the room in halves, and he said, okay, I want this half to sing. Okay, you guys stop. Now this half sing, and, and the other half would sing. <clears throat> and uh, he would dismiss one of the halves, and he would say, okay, now I want half of this half to sing, the front half, and they would sing. And now I want the back of that half to sing, and they would sing, and he would dismiss one of those. And then he would go by row by row, and he pointed to the back, which is where I was sitting, and he said, I want the row, that row, and it was the row in front of me, I want that row to sing. Okay, you guys can stop. I want the next row to sing. Okay, now that next row, I want half of that row to sing. And we sang. And then he pointed at me, and he pointed at my friend David. We were sitting together. He said, I want you two to sing. And then... I learned I could sing. I didn't know until then. And I was in a group. And all of a sudden, I was getting out of class, which was awesome. Like, lots of class. Like, we practiced all the time. This was great. Got out of math, right? And then, in high school, I stumble into the music room because that was my world. And I see Mrs. Harry. Everybody remember Mrs. Harry and her music classes? 
there was a girl that was from my church, this church, and they were in the corner, and they were doing something, and I, I realized, I came to learn that she was making an audition tape for this group from a summer group from Ozark Christian College. And I thought to myself, I go to Kim's church. Why shouldn't I audition for this group? And so I sought out Mrs. Harry and Kim, and they gave me some audition tips, and I sent my thing in. And, and then a trajectory, a career path was kind of laid out in front of me, and I find myself years later at Ozark Christian College in the cafeteria when this pink sweatsuit walks by. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> and I thought, who is that? I need to know her. And so I stalked her for a couple weeks. And then finally, hey, do you play tennis? Um, no. Okay. Would you want to watch me play tennis? How about that? Um, no. Okay. How about a movie? Let, yeah, let's, let's do that. And then a marriage. And then kids, it's hard to end then over the kids. And then some rocky times, some things that we didn't expect, some storms. And then days that came that kind of made some sense, at least a little bit of those storms. All of the biggest moments in life don't ever seem to be the end. They always seem to be the beginning of the next thing. And then, and that's where we are with the life of Peter. Last summer, at our MOVE conference, Eric Epperson gave the sermon that I'm going to share with you today. And, and I'm going to share it with you because it, it's going to take us where we need to be at the end of our time together. And he said this, that the and then makes the end of the story just the beginning. And so take Peter and all of those uh, scenes with Jesus that we've covered so far. Hey, hey, come follow me. Get out of the boat. Yeah, get out of, get out of the boat. But who do you say that I am? Stop, Peter. Before the night is over, you're going to deny me three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then is just the beginning of the next thing. And that and then involves us today. If, if I were to play those scenes out, and it wasn't, it wasn't Peter and Jesus, but it was you and Jesus, which scene would it be? Where are you? Are you at the follow point? Are you at the trust point? Are you at the just now seeing Jesus part? He's just now on your radar. Are you at the denial part? I've failed. Are you at the part where, you know what? He's a king that I can give my life to and live for from now on even to the ends of the earth, what 
What is after the and then? That's for you to fill in, and it's probably the most important part of our series together. What comes next? The most important part is even in this logo that we have used. And our week of CIY together last, last summer, I didn't see it, but it's there. There's and then. And then how many of you have noticed the three dots after the and then? Do you know what those dots are? Any grammar people? Yes. It's, a, it's an ellipsis, right? It's an ellipsis. An ellipsis means that the thought is not complete, that there's more to come, and that's the message today. There's more to come. All of life's biggest moments are followed by an and, then, dot, 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 and it makes the end of the story just the beginning because there's more to come. And if we look at the ellipsis and all the possibilities that exist there when we come to that and, then moment, the question is, how do we live there? And last summer, we explored three ways, and that's what I want to give you today. Number one, and then, abide. Abide. Uh, Acts chapter one, we're going to look at specifically uh, some verses in two and three, but in Acts chapter one, Jesus is with the disciples. He's in bodily resurrected form. He's hung out with them for about 40 days, and in the beginning of Acts chapter one, he says, and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? And then he leaves. And the disciples are there dumbfounded and they're angels that say, why are you staring into the sky? Go to it. It, it, Now is the time. Start your work. The unfortunate thing is they don't really. In chapter 2, we find them locked away in a room Behind closed doors. The scripture says this, verse 1 of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The angels say go. They don't really go. They lock themselves in a room hidden away from the authorities that I'm sure that they were petrified of. And all of a sudden, God breaks through and his Holy Spirit comes into that room and descends on his disciples. And it was an and then moment. And then God sends his spirit to transform the way he interacts with people. All always before it had been in certain places, with only certain people, and with only certain guidelines. That's the whole Old Testament. But now, God's Spirit interacts with each one of us in a different way because of what Jesus has done. Because of what He's done, God can live inside each one of us in the form of the Holy Spirit. And God is living and active in His people in a brand new way that could never have been imagined before. And whenever the Holy Spirit shows up, people start preaching. And that's what happened. Skip down to verse 36. The disciples go out and Peter stands up and he begins to preach. It's, and he preaches to the very same people who just, just weeks before had said, crucify him, crucify him. He preaches to those people. And he says this in verse 36. 
He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I want you to think about Peter. At the end of that day, they come to the 2,999th person, and then finally the last person is baptized, and Peter looks around at the disciples, and they all look at each other, and they go, well, that went well. 3,000 people in one day. What? Think about who this is, right? Just for a minute. Just months ago, this guy was dust. Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat He wants to blow you away like dust. This was Simon. This was the person who acted first and thought later. How in the world is this person speaking like this intelligently, with passion, in the very face of the people who crucified Jesus himself, and he calls them on it, and that took, it took a rock, right? Good thing that's what Peter was. He's a rock. But what makes him that way? What makes this courage And it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And what makes this conviction, this conviction comes because of the resurrection and the truth that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. What makes 3,000 baptisms possible in one day? It's the presence of God. The presence of God. And that same power, that same presence, that same passion that caused this massive shift on Pentecost, that caused the enemies of Jesus to become his followers, that same presence is yours and mine today if we have trusted Jesus. If we've been baptized, if we've repented, if we've confessed his name, if we've followed after him in those ways, the Holy Spirit lives in us. You may not feel that all the time, But it's still true. And it's still true because the resurrection is still true. You're just not kind of in tune with it. But the truth is that Jesus goes wherever you go. His resurrection power and possibility are inside you right now. Don't be afraid to live like it. Abide in him. Let the spirit live in you Rest in the Spirit. Abide means to trust. It means to remain. It means to persist. It means to stay with. Stay with Jesus. Because through the Holy Spirit, that's what He's doing for you. He's staying with you. Abide. And then, together. In many of our snapshots that we've looked at in the life of Peter, Peter was the focal point, but Peter was 
never really alone, was he? If you go back through all of those snapshots, I mean, he's not alone when he's with the boat and he steps out of it. There are other apostles there. He's not alone at Caesarea Philippi when he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. No, he was speaking for all the rest of the disciples. He's not alone on, on this Pentecost day. There are all these other disciples that are preaching. He's not alone. Look at verse 42. It says this of chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were, what's the word? Together, 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 and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple, what's the word? together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. His name is Dan. And if you were to meet him, he would say that he's retired military. And if you would press him for his story about that, he would say this. Well, I was a helicopter pilot from 1967 to 1975. And some of you know exactly what that means right away. It means that he was a helicopter pilot for Vietnam, the Vietnam War. And he was in the, probably the worst skirmish in modern history. And he was in one of the most dangerous positions in that skirmish. And he tells this story that in the fall of 1967, he had just completed his flight training with some buddies, and they were about to ship out. And so they decided to get together, and so they got together at the base at a bar, and they were around the table there, and they're sharing, swapping stories about flight school and that instructor and this thing that happened. They're laughing, they're having a good time, because who knows where they're going to get shipped out tomorrow, and who knows if they'll ever be able to do something like this again. And there was that kind of air in the whole conversation. They stayed long enough that the people who were running the place said, hey, uh, we got we to close up. Uh, you're, you're fine, but we're going to start cleaning around you. And they continued to talk. Finally, it came to the point where all the tables and chairs were put up around them. Everything was clean except their table. They realized you know, th- this place needs to close. We, we've got we to push back from the table here. And one of them, one of them said, you know what? Th- this has been great. This has been great. And somehow what we need to do is mark this occasion. We need to get back together sometime later. And, and we need to talk about this night. And we need to remember this night. And so he pulled out his wallet and he took out a dollar bill. And he said, here's what we're going to do. This is going to be our memento from, from this night at this table. There's four of us, so I'm going to tear this dollar bill up into four pieces. And I don't know where we're going tomorrow. None of us knows what tomorrow brings. But at some point, we're all going to get together around another table, and we're going to put the dollar in the middle And we're going to complete the dollar. And we're going to share stories. And Dan said in his own words, 
with that, we pushed back from the table and we walked straight into hell. If Dan was telling you the story today, across the table, this is the point where you would say, and then, and here's what Dan would say. He would simply reach around to his wallet. He would fumble through some pictures and credit cards and, you know, all the junk that you keep in your wallet, and he would go to that deepest, darkest corner of his wallet, and he would pull out the piece of a dollar bill from 1967, and he would say this. Early 80s, all four of us got back together again. We made it through the war. I don't know how, but we did. And in another bar, in another place, in another state, we got back together, and we had some drinks together, and we shared with one another some of the things that we went through. And I'm proud to tell you that we've gotten together lots of times since then. Every once in a while, we'll get back together and we'll slap that dollar on the table. We'll make it into a complete dollar again and we will begin to tell stories. And the amazing thing is, the, the fortunate thing is that our stories now are a lot happier. They're about grandkids and they're about what we're doing in retirement, what our kids have done where we're traveling to next. And then he would put the dollar bill back in his pocket. And he would say, you know what, Vietnam was crazy and it was hell. But I knew I wasn't going alone. Together. Every week, we come here into this place, and we kind of do the same thing. We don't have a dollar bill, but we do have a resurrection. We do have a table, and we get around that table, and we lay the resurrection on the table, and we tell stories, and we encourage one another with the truth of what happened with Jesus and his resurrection. And when we push back from the table with the last amen, we walk out of these doors, and some of you are walking into hell when you do that. We understand that. And that's why together matters. Together matters in this place. It's why small groups matter in this place. And I'm not really talking about the small groups that might have a specific time on Sunday night. Of course, I'm including those. But a small group is, can be something way different. All a small group is, is three or four people who are willing to put that dollar in the middle of the table and point their fingers at each other and say, you are not going through this alone. I'm not going to let you go through this alone. You're not going to let me go through this alone. That's what a small group is. And some of you are involved in a small group like that. You just don't call it a small group. That's what it is. You're together. Some of you need to create that kind of group. All it's going to take is for you to grab three or four of your friends put the dollar on the table and say, you don't have to walk through this alone. And then go meet for coffee or Dr. Pepper or whatever and share stories. Together, we can stay close to Jesus. It's one of the ways that we abide in Him 
is by staying together. I love this line. It says this, our salvation depends on Jesus holding tightly to us, but our walk with Jesus depends on how tightly we hold on to each other. And that's true. And then, reach. Jesus leaves, His Holy Spirit comes, people respond, and everybody's together, and the church is growing, and then it kind of gets crazy in chapter 3. Peter and John are going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. This is verse 1, in the ninth hour, verse 2. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took them by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. A couple of things about this story quickly. First, following Jesus means sometimes he will work through you in amazingly unexpected places. And I know what you're thinking. You think, oh, that means he's going to work through me when I finally go to Africa. He's going to work through me like he did for Elena when she went to Northern Ireland. He's going to work through me if I would go to India. No. I think first, he'll work through you when you're at Papadance. And he'll work through you when you're at Price Chopper. And he'll work through you when you're at peaks. And some of you are saying, oh, he'll do amazing things through me. Oh, like speak to thousands or start an international organization rescuing people from slavery. Or write books that are known by all of the Christian uh, world. Maybe. But probably. It just means right now, today, speaking kindly to your wife or to your husband. Or your kids or your boss or your neighbor. Peter and John walked by this gate hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times before. They'd probably, that guy sitting at the base was invisible to them, except for today. Today was different because they had eyes to see what God needed them to see. And what they saw was somebody who needed something more than change. He was just after loose change. Peter looked at him and said, I want to give you real change, life change. That's what we have to offer as Christians. And so would you begin to see those ordinary places that you go all the time with new eyes so that God can point out to you those people who who have some surface need, but underneath it is a greater need. We can serve all we want to in the community of Fort Scott and Bourbon County and Southeast Kansas, whatever, And we can make some great change, but if we never open our mouths about the gospel, about Jesus, about the life that he can bring, then we won't change eternity. And that's what we're here for, to change eternity. It can happen anywhere because Jesus is with us wherever we go. One of the things that we've tried to do really hard is to set the tea for you in the coming weeks in this matter. 
There's nobody on the planet who hasn't thought, what happens after I die? And the Imagine Heaven series is your chance to engage some people in those kind of conversations. It doesn't have to be much. It's just come and, come and see. Come and let's talk about what might happen after a person dies because we of all people, we kind of know that answer. We have the truth of the resurrection to give away to the world and that's the change that they really need. So the Holy Spirit shows up to abide in us We bond together, and in unity we reach and we preach, and then dot, dot, dot. We enter this ellipsis, right? And the ellipsis has been going on for thousands of years, begun by Peter and the other disciples, fueled by the resurrection of Jesus, and it will continue for a thousand more or until Jesus comes to get us, and the church is going to grow, and persecution is going to come, and it came for Peter. Many years later, Jesus will have, uh, Peter will eventually find himself like Jesus. He will find himself arrested and chained and interrogated. And this, th- this time he wasn't being interrogated by a 12-year-old slave girl. This time it was with all of the power and the authority of Rome itself. And they were sticking their collective finger into his chest saying, Did you know him? Do you know this Jesus? And Peter denied three times, but he's never going to deny a fourth. And he said to them, I do know him. Not I knew him, but I know him. He's alive, and I saw it. And because of that, because of that confession, Peter will eventually find himself with a cross, just like Jesus. That's what tradition tells us. Tells us that he was led out to be crucified just like Jesus. And I wonder, as he's being led out to be crucified under the weight of that cross just like Jesus, if those scenes didn't cross his mind. Hey, hey, come follow me. Get out of the boat. Yeah, get out of the boat. Who do you say that I am? Peter, Peter stop. Before the night's over, you will deny me three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then the Holy Spirit came. And then the disciples were together and they made a church And then they went to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, reaching people on the news of Jesus for rising from the dead. And then they nailed Peter to a cross. And I can only think that as he clung to that cross, he went back to the only hope that any of us have during a time like that, and that's Jesus himself. And that very hand 
that reached down to him as he was sinking in the stormy waves. That same hand that pointed at him and says, who, said, who do you say that I am? That very hand that fed him breakfast as he challenged him. Do you love me? That hand reached down to Peter again, this time from heaven, to pull him up to eternity. And then the end was just the beginning. So what do we do from here? There are three ways that we've challenged you today with uh, abide, together, reach. And there are stations. You've probably seen Ian put up the globes around the, uh, around the place. And as we come to this time of worship, we're going to sing a couple of songs. We're going to ask that you take communion at the station that's closest to you. Uh, for those of you who can't make it, there will be some people that will pass communion to you. And then what we want you to do is we want you to go, maybe if this is your next step, if this is what God is calling you to, we want you to go to one of those stations that resonated with you the most. Maybe today you need to be reminded that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Maybe you don't feel that right now. Maybe you need to be reminded that He lives in you and you need to abide in Him. If that's the case, go to the blue lamp. There will be somebody to pray for you. And they'll give you some scripture and a card that you can pray this week. Maybe some of you aren't together with anybody else in the church. Maybe what you need to do today, we have literal dollars over here, okay? <laughs> and we have scriptures to write on those dollars. And maybe you need to grab two or three or four of your friends and go over and grab a dollar and divide it into as many pieces as you have friends and say, this week, we're going to get together on Thursday morning for coffee or whatever, whatever, wherever. We're going to put that dollar bill on the table and we're going to commit to each other. You don't have to go through this alone. Green station. Maybe some of us are kind of normal. You know, we follow Jesus and we've been given opportunities, but we haven't really had our eyes open to maybe the needs that are right in front of us. And maybe our prayer this week is, God, would you show me somebody with a real need? And can I meet that need in the real way, which is giving them the gospel of Jesus? And so that station is going to have a black marker, and they're going to write a cross on the back of their hand. And here's the prayer. God before this cross fades from the back of my hand, would you give me an opportunity to share and to reach somebody for you? And so I don't know where you are, but I'm going to have uh, our communion prayer come and pray for communion. And then we're going to sing and you commune with God. And then if he's asking you to take that next step at one of these stations, would you do that as well?